All right. Today is Wednesday, November 23rd. One week left in the college football season, and the Tennessee Volunteers are dead. We'll go through all the games. Very, very, very nervy week for anyone in the top five. A couple came down to the last play, fourth quarter leads. I don't know if any of them covered. I don't think any team in the top five covered. So, uh, uh, who was? LSU. Oh, LSU. L- no, who was? They're in the top five now, but they also there was covered against UAB. No, they did because I was on UAB. There's so Georgia didn't. Georgia didn't. Ohio State. Ohio State. And TCU and and uh, Tennessee all did not. Yeah, cover. you're right. So four one out. Right. We'll, we'll start with number one. I didn't. This is the one game out of all those that I didn't watch any of. But um, is Georgia maybe not as invincible as we once thought playing within 10 points of a Kentucky team that just lost to Vanderbilt? 10 points of a Kentucky team that just lost to Vanderbilt who threw a red zone interception. That could have been. And they couldn't punch it in, too. Kentucky was – I mean, Georgia was going to be up 17. They had the ball, I think, close to the goal line, and they just couldn't convert on fourth. Like, Kentucky's not horrible on defense. They're horrible on offense for sure. They're not horrible on defense, but like that's that's a team that are, like what Tennessee did to them, what even Vanderbilt did to them. Like I know they didn't have well this event against South Carolina, but even South Carolina did to them. Like that's I mean Missouri and Kentucky and Kent State have all given Georgia tough games. Like as as an Ohio State fan, who I'm sure we'll we'll get to quite a bit in this podcast. Um, they uh. They didn't look invincible. I think, I think, uh, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. Yeah. Well, speaking of Maryland for Ohio state was, I had you on the road. Sweaty. Uh, talk, talk me through that game for you. So you ever nervous? Never, honestly, never. So I was, I landed, I'm back in Connecticut right now, which is where I'm from. Uh, Madison, Connecticut birthplace of Will Levis. Um, so I uh, I landed around right – actually, I'm sure we'll get to the TCU game later, but I landed uh, during the final drive. It was Southwest, so I could watch college football. During the final drive of the TCU game. So I stayed on the plane so I could finish watching the game while everyone else was filing <laughs> out. So they sealed the cover for me. Huge game, as I mentioned on Friday's, or Friday's show. Like, that was my biggest need all week. Like, had, like – eight units on that game, 16 units, something like that. So that game ends, drive home, dad picks me up the airport, whatever, get home, throw on the Ohio State game, start talking to the family, whatever. It's on the background. I come up, we're losing at halftime. I'm like, okay, kind of knew this was a trap game. Maryland's always been a house of horrors for us. Last time we played Michigan at home was also the last time we played Maryland on the road my sophomore year. Everyone remembers that crazy game, went to overtime with Dwayne Haskins. Maryland missed the two-point conversion for the win. We go in, go into the Michigan game next week, beat the brakes off of Michigan as an underdog at home, whatever. So I kind of had a feeling it was going to be a tough game. Plus, Maryland, even though you guys shut them out, they had talent on that roster, especially on offense. They got a lot of good receivers, and our cornerbacks aren't the best. Not everyone has Joey Porter Jr., what can I say? So I was expecting it to be – not a cover, but I will say that last drive, we kick a field goal. So I took us live minus four and a half. So I'm happy with the field goal. They get the ball back. And I'm like, I should be more nervous right now. This is a six point game. They have the ball and they've scored over 30 points on us. Like we could lose sack, then strip sack interception, whatever you want to call it. Touchdown win by 13. I think that was just a classic survive and advance game. Like if anything, I'd be more worried if I was Michigan. Like, their best player got hurt. They somehow, on some questionable calls, at home against a team that was proven to be fraudulent the last two weeks in Illinois, they pull that off somehow. So we get our 11-0 against 11-0. But I don't think anyone looked good this week. I think everyone was just looking ahead. Yeah, I think it's a bigger look at spot for Michigan. I think they... I don't know. I feel like they don't have as much discipline as Ohio State in that regard. And um, you got to be concerned about quorum going down, though. 
because he if he can't play that definitely changes the dynamic there because I've had on my list I've had Michigan at number two but I'm definitely going to stick stick to my guns at this point because I anticipated it would come down to this game but without quorum it's going to really it's going to be it's going to be an uphill battle all day yeah, so do we want to talk about this game now or do we want yeah, to go yeah. through? Okay, yeah, so line came out seven and a half points. That's what we're looking at. As an Ohio State fan, just for some context, last year, line comes out, we're seven and a half point favorites. Much different scenario. We're on the road. Obviously, Michigan was a highly ranked team. I want to say they were top 10, at least, if not top five last year for the game. They had that one loss to Michigan State, but – Definitely were not regarded as highly as they are right now. I saw that line and I told all my friends and whoever listened last year that we we're going to lose. I was like, this line makes no sense. The public is all over us. Like, it's so easy to, to buy the point or buy the half to get the hook. Like, this makes no sense. This year, same line, but we're at home. I feel the opposite way. I think that seven and a half, that over a touchdown makes me so confident because it means Vegas knows something. Like they either know Blake Quorum's not playing, which I think is a possibility considering the line moved a little bit from the early lines that I saw on like FanDuel and stuff. But I think if you look at this game, if Blake Quorum's not healthy, Ohio State should win by a minimum two to three touchdowns. Their offense looked so bad against Illinois when he was out. Like JJ McCarthy is not that guy. Like he, he looked that pass he missed when they got the second to last field goal where they could have scored the touchdown and take the lead. Did you see that, that he missed the tight end in the flat? No. It was so bad. It was like it was like Zach Wilson. I was going like to say, Zach I think of another quarterback who missed it <laughs> off the flat. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, as far as the game, though, like, if you just look at the raw stats, just, like, matchup statistics, offense against defense. So, like, if we start with our offense, our, our offense lets up the sixth least sacks in the country their defense gets the 21st most sacks. Our red zone efficiency is 10th. Their defense is 34th. Like all like, I mean, you, you want to be like top 35, 25 in college football for these stats. Cause like, that's really what we're looking at. Like the best power five teams, third down conversion rate. We're 15th on offense. They're 12th on defense, like first down defense. They're second or 23rd. Like our offense and their defense is going to be a huge battle. I think our offensive line is going to be tested, especially with our uh, right guard going out last week. And then as far as on defense against their offense, we have a major advantage in the passing department. So if they don't have quorum, like they're, they're 99th passing offense in the nation. And we're the, despite our corners not being great, we have really good D line, really good safeties. We're the 11th best passing defense in the nation. They're the fourth best running offense. We're the 14th best running defense. Like if they don't have quorum to make like some big time plays, I don't see how they're going to score that many points. I was like, they're going to get get their points. Like they're going to find Quorum. If Quorum plays and he's not a hundred percent, I don't, I don't think they have a single game breaker on their team. I don't know. I don't know how you feel. I mean, obviously they beat you guys pretty good. um, And we were in a pretty close one against us. So as a neutral party, how do you feel about this game? Definitely. It's like good offense versus good defense. And then on the other side, it's like bad offense versus bad defense. Not like actually bad, but like in terms of comparing to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think part of those run and pass stats might be because if Michigan's – they beat the hell out of everybody, so they're probably running the ball more. Ohio State's beating the shit out of everybody, so they probably don't have teams trying to run on them too much. They're trying to pass the state. 100%, yeah. But – if Ohio State gets up by 14 points early, which is like very possible if they, especially if they get the ball first, then it's really Michigan's gonna have to keep this game close the whole time because you're not gonna be able to run your way back into the game if it gets outside of 14 or outside of 10 points. Um, but yeah, I mean, we played them tough. We had no business being in that game, and we were up at halftime be off of a couple we up at halftime against both teams. We had, a, yeah, we had two first downs and like 17 points at the half because we had an 80-yard run and a pick six that bounced off someone's helmet. Um, but then in the second half, they like buried us and they just like chunk play after chunk play. And I think 
the line of scrimmage is going to determine who wins. And I think Michigan kind of has like a little bit of of an advantage there. But um, I don't know. I'm excited. It should be a great game. Um, I'm going to stick to my guns, though, and and take Michigan catching seven and a half. I don't know if I'll – if Coram out, probably not not touching the money line at all. But I do – I picked Michigan on on that graphic a couple weeks ago. So I'm going to stick to my guns. Yeah, I'm going to take Ohio State. I'll be in Columbus for this game, possibly even at the game, boots on ground. So I'm going to take Ohio State because I I think you said it best. Like I was talking – I did a little bit of a preview last Friday on the pod, and I was just saying like I think we really need to come out and instead of trying to do this whole toughness bullshit that they've been talking about for over a year, I think we need to take advantage of the fact that we have the two best wide receivers in college football on our team, and we would have the three if – Jackson Smith and Jigwa was healthy. I think Emeko Buka is that good. Marvin Harrison Jr. is one of the best receivers I've ever seen in college. We have one of the better quarterbacks. And I think if we get the ball first, we score and we can stop them. And then we can score again. Like if it's 14, nothing, the game's almost over. Like with the way they run their offense, if Quorum's not healthy, like if he's not hundred percent, 14, nothing, I'd feel like it's over. It reminds me a lot of that Georgia, Tennessee game where the line seems pretty big, but Tennessee goes down, they get a field goal. And next thing you know, Georgia just lays it on. I mean, we're very different teams. I mean, Michigan is nothing like Tennessee. We're nothing like Georgia. But I think it's just one of those things where it's like Michigan needs what happened last year to happen. They need to go down, score right away. They need to hold us to field goals in the red zone. Like they have, they need so many things to go right. And weather pending, I think we win by two to three touchdowns. Uh, This is the most confident I've been going into a Michigan game since junior year with Justin Fields which is only two games ago, but I don't know. I think I think our advantage at the quarterback position and wide receiver positions is just, just game breakers in general, and they don't have those two defensive ends to wreck the game like they did last year. I, just, I, I think Ohio State wins this one comfortably. Well, I guess the, be- the next best defense that Ohio State's played is probably Penn State, and Penn State was able to – Oh, Iowa, <laughs> Iowa. Well, Penn State, yeah, well, they beat the Bergs off of Iowa, but yeah, Penn State has was able to to be like that bed not break defense for the first fifty two minutes of that game, um, which kind of happened against Michigan too. We gave up like they would just drive down and they kick like three field goals right off the bat. So that's going to be if they if Michigan can bend and not break, that's going to be they don't have to completely stop. They just can't give up the big play touchdown. They can get yeah, away with a forty yard pass if they keep them out of the end zone. Yeah, Ryan Day play calling against Penn State, and we have we saw it against Michigan last year. We've seen it in a lot of big games, which is a little concerning. Even Clemson, uh, his first year as a head coach, which was 2019 playoffs, so technically 2020 was when the game occurred in January. I think this game he's going to bring something different. I mean, he he canceled the senior tackle, which for those who don't know is a tradition at Ohio State. I'm not 100% sure what they do. Uh, I know there's like some, it's like a fun day at practice the Thursday before Michigan game. Like they do like impressions of their coaches. It's like a senior day tradition. He moved it to the bowl season. That's how he's like, he said, like, essentially we're not fucking around or like, I think he has, you know, you can say what you want. Everyone wants to win, but I think he's put a little extra focus on this game because he got embarrassed last year. And I I really do think this is going to be his, his coming out party as, return to the top of the college football offensive mind ranks. So I, I hope he is. Cause if they lose, I don't know if I'm, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, at noon. Your confidence is almost making me feel better. About, about Michigan. Michigan? Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, last year I was not confident at all. I thought we were going to lose. I went to Ann Arbor, even though I thought we were going to lose. Yeah. Well, wait, what is, what is, can we get a weather forecast in Columbus? Yeah, so I have that too. I have, I have, I brought the stats and I brought the weather. That's uh, so we have a eighty percent. So it's gonna rain in eighty percent of Columbus, but it's gonna be fifty three degrees. What's what sort of rain? Uh, I'm looking at Apple weather. So it's not moderate heavy. If it's moderate uh, heavy, I think Michigan. I'm seeing, I'm seeing moderate. But they, you know, they gotta they gotta throw in it too, man. I think I, I think the only thing we have to win, worry about is wind. As long as it's not windy, I trust us in the rain. Okay. I don't know. I'm confident. I'm I'm typically not this confident. I'm 
very confident. Yeah. Well, it's going to be – you're going to be on pins and needles, I'm sure. Um, but I don't know. I hope it's close. I, I just hope it's not a blowout as an impartial party. Yeah, I think I think it's – like when I say we're going to win by two scores, I think it could be very similar to the – Like you beat Maryland by two scores, but you didn't beat them by two scores. Exactly. So I was thinking about um, the USC game, right? So that was back and forth the whole time, but USC was always up three or 10. And then at the end, it ended up being three because they got him to punt. Imagine if USC scored there, they go up 10 and then UCLA can't score again. So it's like, Oh, Ohio state won by 10, but like that was an unreal game, like back and forth, whatever the game's actually gone over uh, five straight times, which is surprising because everyone's pounding the under because they're thinking like, slow the game down. Like last year's game almost doubled. The under, I'm pretty sure, or the over under. Yeah, like, didn't stop them at all last year. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I'm super excited. I haven't been this juiced about a game. I mean, I was super juiced for the Jets game Sunday, but I haven't been the juiced about a college football game in a long time. I want to say, closing some playoff. Yeah, but I'll, I'll say the Clemson playoff game, but that was also tough because like it was COVID, like things weren't like. I would say maybe the Clemson playoff game with Justin Fields because like the senior year we were in the national championship, but that Bama team was a death star. Like the second we didn't score, like we scored our first couple drives, they scored theirs. The second we didn't convert, like we punted once and I was like, this game's over. That Clemson game was unreal, but like, you know, like campus was like closed. Like they didn't even cancel classes because like, you know, it's just like, it was such a weird time. It was, you know, January, or I think that was December of 2020. So like still weird times, but that was obviously an awesome game. I'm sure if, if you asked, you know, senior year me, he was pretty juiced for that game, but this is, I mean, I'm so excited. I'm super excited to be back in Columbus. Like this, this is, this reminds me of that game where Curtis Samuel had the game winning touchdown in overtime. Like it's definitely the biggest game since then. Yeah. And it will be, um, Actually, I'm not like totally impartial as Penn State has a little path to the Rose Bowl if we can get two playoff teams from the Big Ten. So, yeah. So a close game bodes well for Penn State. Well, the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl is a playoff game this year, I think. I don't think I feel like it's not because Penn State Twitter wants to make the Rose Bowl. Uh-oh. Let me check that. College football playoff. I think it's the Fiesta Bowl and the... Oh, it might be Fiesta and Sugar. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Is it? Because our senior yeah, year was the, the Rose Bowl. Yeah, those are the as Fiesta Bowl and Sugar Bowl are both the times are New Year's Eve. Yeah, you're right. You're uh, right, because it was Cotton it was Bowl, Rose, Rose Bowl. Because uh, the first is a Sunday, so no New Year's Day football. But, yeah, well, NFL, but no, yeah, no New Year's. Yeah, so I mean, we've got that game covered. It's strength against strength, weakness against weakness. Technically, I mean, should be an awesome game. I think Blake Corum's the weather report and the Michigan injury report are going to be the two things everyone needs to watch this week. Yeah, you think if you got to think though, Corum is going to go if he has any ability to go. Yeah, but see if he's limited. Like if he's limited at all, I think if like. Eh, yeah. I don't think he's like badly hurt. Like he went back in that game. Like you don't go back in a game with anything torn. It, yeah. It's precautionary. But like if he slowed down even a little bit, you know, that's the difference. So I don't know. I, my biggest thing is I don't want us to buy into this toughness narrative. If we go out and run the ball three straight times and punt, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like that's how we opened up the second half last year. Like we need. Don't you think canceling this this uh, fun day is a little bit leaning into that that toughness? I don't know how I feel about that. I think the idea is, you know, like lock in. We need loose is one. I feel like if if by Thursday before the game, if if you don't know the plays, if you're not executing, yeah, what's one more practice going to do? You got to keep everybody loose. Yeah, I think that's like a catch twenty two. Like if we lose the game, people are going to be like, let's say let. I'll give you a scenario. We show up, we get the ball first. Ryan Day's like, we're going to score. We're going to run it down their throats. Three straight runs, two yards, two yards, two yards. We punt. We end up losing the game in a nail bite or whatever. Uh, Ryan. um...
Do you think like canceling practice concerned with the toughness issue run to ball, not play our game? Or I could see it like this. We get the ball. We go down. We throw a bomb touchdown to Marvin Harrison. We score. We stop them. We get the ball back. Like playing hair on fire. Tommy Eichenberg gets a sack. You know, JT Tumalau gets a sack. Like we are dominating them like that we did to Michigan State. We go down. We score again. After the game, Ryan Day's like, you know, now the boys can go have their fun for a little bit. Like we wait till bowl season or like whatever, like go to the big 10 championship. We can do that senior tackle now. Like it's just going to be a catch 22. It's one of those things where no one's going to remember. He canceled it if we win, or they're going to like tell the stories about how he got the guys ready. It was all business. Or if we lose, it's going to be like, Oh, does Ryan day not have a read on the locker room Were the guys too uptight? Did we try and push this toughness narrative? You know, it's one of those things where it's like at the end of the day, if he calls the right plays, we have better players. We're the better team. If you lose, do they still get the tackle day in bowl season? I, I really, I hope so. I mean, it's it's supposedly it's a really fun day. Like I don't yeah, know too much about I it. I, I would be on team keep keep it loose. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Um, again, I think it's, I think the bottom line is just just go win the game. Like last year, we just got so outplayed. They dominated every blade of grass on that field. I'm I'm thinking though, like I think TCU is definitely going to lose to Kansas state. And then if UCLA, they play Notre Dame and then they're going to play Oregon. Most likely if USC loses, or sorry, I said UCLA, I meant USC. If USC and TCU lose, is Ohio state, like is the loser of this game automatically in? Because Tennessee's done. Ten- yeah, then the door opens for for a Clemson team, which is unbelievable. Yeah, but that's only one spot, so like you got to fill two. So we're talking one loss Clemson. I think PC. I think the conversation that happens. I think the loser of this game is in, and then I think it's a conversation between TCU and. One 12 and one TCU, 12 and one Clemson, but it's going to be that would be 12 and one TCU. Let's say, like, I mean, they could lose to Iowa State. I still am out on TCU. We'll probably get to that in a second. But if TCU loses to Iowa State and then they win, then they're a one loss conference champ. If they lose to K State in the conference championship, they're a one loss non conference champ. They're done. So it'll probably be Clemson, the loser but of this I, game. Like, they have the, the best strength of record. Um, like but they keep they keep putting them forth though they keep putting them behind Michigan. So if, if both of those teams have a loss and theirs is to a either unranked Iowa State or in the conference championship to a what late twenties team, and then Michigan's loss is to the number two and team in the country. We gotta start looking at like we can't even really talk about that because it's getting. Then we got to get too far into the details of is it I, a three point I, loss? Is it a twenty one point loss? Yeah. So I think what's gonna I think what happens here is Ohio State, Georgia, one, two. Clemson gets the three seed. No, Michigan gets the three seed. No, no, no. It would be it would be Clemson. So it'd be Clemson gets the three seed. And then Michigan gets the four seed. So we get Georgia, Michigan, and another Ohio State Clemson. But it's I don't Clemson. Think Clemson's getting that high. I don't think I, I well really... you can't you can't rematch. You can't put Michigan and Ohio State again. You, you can if you think that that's who the third and fourth best team is. But they're going to put the conference champ above the non-conference champ. I think both teams are making the playoff. And imagine yeah, if Michigan can pull I the upset. I really, I would be appalled if Clemson gets in. Imagine if it's Ohio State, Michigan for the national championship. That would be the craziest thing. That would be even more crazy than Duke UNC for the final four because that was a semifinal. Yeah, I, I, I really like don't even want to think about a world where this year Clemson sneaks in. Dude, I'm telling you, there is a clear path. I really think it's tough to if you have 12 and one TCU, even if they don't win the conference, they'll have if you look but, at both the resumes, they'll have four of the five best wins out of both of those schedules. Clemson will have a better loss and they'll have a conference championship. And it's Clemson. Yeah, but, it's, but it's you the TCU would have split. They would have lost the one team, but they also would have beat beaten them. I don't know. It's that's true. I mean, I think there's a clear path. Like if I'm Clemson right now, you control well, you know what would be even crazier. What if Clemson loses to UNC? So then there's because UNC just lost. So it's a, so then you would have so then TCU has to be in because TCU yeah. would be the one law. Yeah. yeah. So it would probably be TCU three, Michigan four. Yeah. I mean it's it's gonna be Georgia and the winner of this OSU Michigan game is probably 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, even though I said I do think it's going to happen. Like, the door's wide open for LSU. Oh, I mean, LSU is – they need to play just about, four good quarters of You're not getting in the – they'll be fine if they – Yeah. If they if they win the SEC, they'll obviously be fine. And that'll clear it up. But I just hope we get to the end and there's four teams who are deserving of a spot. I hope if we USC get good semifinals. If USC runs the table, they'll be obviously in, but they'll have some fantastic wins the last three weeks of the season. Yeah, I think USC, like out of all the teams that Ohio State, like obviously when I think of the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, I'm going to think of Ohio State. I think that's fair. So out of all the teams Ohio State could potentially play in that 2-3 matchup, I'm the most afraid of USC. TCU doesn't scare me. That over-under would be set at like 100,000. Yeah. TCU doesn't scare me. Tennessee didn't scare me as much as USC. Now they definitely don't because they're not getting in. Um, LSU does not scare me as much as T- uh, uh, USC. Uh, Clemson clearly doesn't scare me as much. Like if if we play USC, I mean that's I mean their defense is awful and they've been so opportunistic on turnovers and we're I think second in the country or sixth in the country on offense for least turnovers. So. I, I still think we would win. I think we'd win going away. I think we would cover because I think we were just like the better version of them. But I mean, that would be a hell of a game, which I mean, the goal is to get two good semifinal games and the one versus four has been pretty ass in just ever since that Ohio State Alabama game the first year. So I just hope we get two good playoff games for New Year's Eve. So, I mean, so let's take a step back right now. We've done this every week. Are you sticking with your top four? Or has anyone lost in your top four? Tennessee lost. Tennessee? So I'll yeah. So I'll put in. I'm so gonna do Georgia, Ohio State at the top, right? Georgia, Ohio State's still there. I'm gonna put Michigan still at four. And then I'm gonna swap that three seed out for Clemson. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say USC loses to Oregon. Wow. Well, I'm gonna stick with um Michigan one, TC two, LSU three, Georgia four. Just because, yeah, I mean, it's possible that three of those teams don't get in, but at this point right now, they all have everything right in front of them. Yeah, so I mean, that's a pretty big breakdown on the game and how it affects the playoff. I mean, that's that's the biggest game of the weekend. Uh, is there anything else like you wanted to hit on as far as this weekend's games? We've got a ton of rivalry games. I mean, we have LS, uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State on Thanksgiving. A lot of Lane Kiffin rumors flying yeah. about him going to Auburn. Do you have any thoughts on that game? Um, is Auburn a better job than Ole Miss? I guess it is. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Why? Why? I, I was thinking so, about today, like I know it is, but I don't really know why. It's the not last like two coaches because you're going against Nick Saban in Alabama. You're still in the SEC West. You're playing the same teams. Like the the players in and around Alabama are far superior. You can recruit better there. Before this coach they got, which was kind of a shit show, the two previous coaches both went to the national championship game and one of them won it. So Gene Chizik went and won. That was with Cam Newton, but he still went and won. Like he was able to get that guy. You're not able to get that guy at Ole Miss. And then um, what's the guy's name? Gus Malzahn. He made the national championship. It's a much better recruiting ground. And what they're doing at Ole Miss right now, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. That team is not that good. I think Lane knows it. And they haven't been able to – you can't recruit on the same level there. They've done this with a lot of transfers. And I think he knows that if he gets to Auburn, then Nick Saban's got maybe two or three years left in him, I think, especially looking at how they've been this year and like the lack of quarterbacks that they have coming up. Like that – that Milrow guy is basically a running back. I think if Kiffin gets to Auburn now, he could take over the state. That's might be his idea because Alabama's not always been this dominant. It's like a Nick Saban and Bear Bryant thing. In the middle, they weren't that incredible. Yeah. Who are your? What are the? What are the best jobs in college football? So, like, best jobs isn't like you want to coach that program or best job. Like, best I think jobs Kentucky- like if you want to win a national championship and you go there. Okay. Like- 
because I think this is a two-sided question. So I think the best job in college football overall, if you want to win national championships, LSU, the last three coaches at LSU have all won national championships. You can recruit Dallas because you're right there. You get all of Louisiana locked down. And then you can pick off other SEC programs because you're such a power that you can go in their states and get guys. Yeah. So LSU is the best job. I think Ohio State's one of the best jobs. The last two coaches at Ohio State have won national championships playing completely different brands of football. And if Ryan Day, Ryan Day's been to the national championship. So we have back to back national champions, like coaches. And then the current one has been to one. So got to count that. And you own Ohio. It, you own the Midwest recruiting, like all the North, all that you own it. And you can go down to Florida. You can go to Texas. Like they're able to recruit at a high level. Um, I would say that, see, I don't want to put Alabama in there because Nick Saban makes Alabama. Like, I think if Nick, if someone like, I think Georgia is definitely there again, there's no competition oh, in the state. Yeah. And like, it's one of the most talented states, USC. Hundred yeah, percent. USA, I think, maybe probably. Yeah. USC, I think LSU and USC are the two best jobs in college and football. I think Notre Dame is, is up there too, top five. I think Notre Dame's up there, but I think it's tough to recruit at Notre Dame because I think the last time they were relevant is so like, I mean, relevant in terms like they've always been relevant, but like in terms of like, if I go there, I'm gonna be a national champion and a first round pick. It's the same issue with Texas where they're borrowing old time on old on past success. Yeah, but USC kind of did this like before this year. Notre Dame had and like Notre Dame had been, in, but USC has well, such a good recruiting ground. Before. And USC, you can yeah, but no, thing, but they got the right guy in there, and it's like year one they might make the playoff. I think the thing with USC is you have so much talent in Southern California that you don't even have to get all the kids. And you still have one of the best recruiting classes. That's why it was so crazy what happened to Clay Helen. Notre Dame, you're in Indiana in the middle of nowhere at a Catholic school where, like, it's a very – it's like a culture shock. Like, if you watch the Manti Teo documentary, that's, like, something he talked about. Obviously, he's a very religious guy from another – you know, he's, I think, he Mormon. Yeah. No, Which he's not Catholic. That whole doc was interesting. Yeah, yeah no, but I think say, I think maybe now in 2022 the Notre Dame brand has lost a little bit of its luster. And plus, you're you're fighting Ohio State, State and Penn State for everyone recruiting wise in the Midwest. On TV, like it used to be. I don't know. It used to mean it used to mean more, but now yeah. the button you're watching Ohio versus Bowling Green on the Tuesday mm-hmm. night. No one cares. You're on national TV anymore at Notre Dame. Um, yeah, they'll join the conference, I think, to, to kind of help them so that they yeah, can... they'll join the Big Ten because they they're practically in the ACC and the ACC sucks. Although they might join the Big Ten, but now they might not. Twelve team playoff, like Notre Dame, does not have to join the conference. Yeah, but if they want to ever get a buy, they have to. Yeah, but um, they're not worried. They'll take a home playoff game. That's true. Um, I think the different conversation about best jobs is like where would you want to coach, and I think I Penn think State, West, USC, like. But there's so much pressure. Like, I think Penn State, like, think of James Franklin right now. He has a $100 million contract. He's never made the playoff. He consistently goes 10 and 2. Like, those are the types of places you want to be. Like, Kentucky's a great job because, like, the focus is on basketball. Every week, every game they lose, it's fire Franklin. But he gets extensions. Like, they're never actually firing him. You'd rather be there than at USC? Well, if I want to win national championships, I'd rather be at USC. But if I go 10 and 2 at USC, three straight years, would they expect like if if Ohio State went three years in a row missing the playoff and losing to Michigan, going 10 and 2, they would fire their coach. If you do that, Penn State, you get a hundred million dollar raise or a hundred million dollar extension. Like Kentucky is another example. Kentucky went is going six and four this oh, year. I, they went I don't like that. I don't like that comment. What? If you do it at Penn State, you get hundred million dollars. If you do it at Ohio State, you get fired. It's it's managing expectations. Like if Ryan Day were to lose, let's say Ryan Day lost to Michigan this year, doesn't make the playoffs. And then he loses Michigan next year, he's getting canned. I think so. I think if Ryan Day missed year next year, if they go eleven and one, if they go eleven and one three years in a row, miss the playoff, you think he gets fired? If they go eleven no and one, way. miss. There's no way. If Ryan Day went eleven and one three years, so they lost two games last year, by the way. So ten and two last year, missed the playoffs. Let's say they go eleven and one this year, miss the playoffs. Let's say USC wins out, TCU win, uh, wins out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michigan. What? Yeah, yeah. Keep going. My lose to Michigan next year. They lose 
one or two games again. Let's say they go 10 and two, lose to Penn State and Michigan, miss the playoffs. He's out of there. I'm telling you, you can't lose three straight to Michigan and not make the playoff. Not after Urban Meyer beat them seven times in a row. I, well, when's the, when is the official date on the, on the 12 team playoff? Cause they won't ever, not, not till like 2026, I think. I think we have three more years of this. So like this year and then two more. I would be, I, who do they like? I don't know. I don't. I don't know where you go from there. I don't think that if you you hire Luke Fickle, wouldn't they? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's a big setback in college football whenever you fire. But I'm telling you, like that's what happened to. I think his name was Earl Bruce. Was the coach before? Um, he was the coach before Jim Tressel. They win those years. Like they definitely they were won. winning like eight nine games. They were going like nine yeah, eight, and three ten. Eight and four is different than than. But the expectations have jumped since then. They've jumped. Urban Meyer made the expectations because he started recruiting nationally. If if Ryan Day were to lose three straight to Michigan and not make the playoffs three years in a row, it might need to be four years. But I think three years would get him fired. Depending on what they do in the Bulls, I I would be hard pressed to see a coach win thirty four games in three years and get fired. Thirty three. I've. I think if Ryan Day had the exact same record as James Franklin did the last four years at Ohio State, he would be fired. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, we haven't had a like really COVID year in there. We lost. Five get years. get rid of the COVID year. Like, if you took his four past previous, like, what did they go ten and two, ten and two? Like, they've had at least uh, one time nine and three. Yeah, like those that those four. Like, if he had four ten and twos or nine and three spring, he would get fired. It's just managing expectations. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll, I think they're going to lose. The, so it'll come down to the game next year, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see. Hope I hope Maybe. we don't see. Might I even make it to the bowl game this year then? For what, for what, <laughs> I don't think he would. I think he would lose his job next year. I genuinely do believe that, and I think he should. As an Ohio State fan, I think he should. So he's is he officially on the hot seat if he loses this game? Yes, a hundred percent. If he loses this game, misses the playoffs, he's on a hot seat. Yeah, with, what with the talent, the national championship this year. I don't think what Michigan does matters. I think if Michigan beats us and we miss the playoff, then yes. If they start beating us for recruits too, yeah, he's on the hot seat. If he loses this game, a hundred percent. All right, like that. Let's get that take going. Ryan yeah. is on the hot seat. He's he's on a warm seat right now. Losing last year to them and Oregon. And having to fire the defensive coordinator and pay his defensive coordinator's new one two million dollars, and fire a lot of the whole defensive staff that he hired, yeah, he's his seat. If if he loses this game, he's on the hot seat. All right, all right, yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess that that's probably all for for college football, right? For I, yeah, I mean, we've we've talked enough about TCU. Like that game, was another like, miracle. Obviously, win. that's the only game with real big playoff implications. Other than like TCU is going to have a tough game. Uh, USC Notre Dame should be a good game, but um, Notre Dame's helping out Ohio State a little bit. That loss is looking yeah. better and better every every week. It went from looking good to looking bad to looking good again. Um, so I don't know who has a better chance if they lose this game. I would think Michigan just because it's on the road, even though they haven't really played anybody. We talked about how thin the field's going to be, but if Ohio State loses at home, I think that hurts them a little bit more. Yeah, I think if Michigan had that Notre Dame win, they would almost be a lock with a close loss because it would be on the road to a top two team and then they'd have a top 15 win. But I guess the last the way we can wrap up college football is. So we've already went over our playoffs, like whatever, who we think we're going to make it. Who do you think the team that's most likely to lose this weekend, like to slip up? So forget Ohio State, Michigan, like USC, TCU. Um, I guess we can include the conference championships too, because like Clemson's not playing, like they're playing South Carolina, who's not going to have two wins in a row like that. I, I, dude, South Carolina looked good. They looked really good. I don't think they could do it twice in a row though. Who knows? I wasn't even that they, they got up for that game. They might get up for the rivalry game. That's fair. I'd be shocked. I think that they keep it within the number. I'll tell you that's a little preview. 14 and a half. Um, Although everyone and their mother is going to be betting on South Carolina after last week. Yeah. Who knows? Like that game, I think South Carolina, I'm hoping that you North Carolina or South Carolina trips them up because I don't want to even think about them on Selection Sunday. Yeah. 
I'm thinking, I think Clemson's safe belts against South Carolina. I think North Carolina can get them because they score a lot of points. But I think the biggest team to watch out for, honestly, is I think USC could 100% lose to Notre Dame or Oregon. I think they're the most likely to lose because they played two tough games. But yeah. something about Iowa State, like this, like everyone kept keeps saying, like, this is when TCU loses. This is when TCU loses. It's going to be, and like they survived last week. I think everyone's kind of like, okay, Iowa State now, one of the worst teams in the Big 12. They're a really good coach team. They're super well coached. Like, I think the Cyclones could beat them. Unless that game's in, if, if it's in Fort Worth, then that's tough, but we'll see. We'll see. I think if I had to pick one team to lose right now, it'd be USC is going to lose one of those two games. Oh, I hope they, let's get some new colors in the playoff. USC and TCU would be. Yeah. It's like for sore eyes. Um, although they'd both probably get. Uh, I think USC could hang with. with USC the- can hang. USC can score with anyone. They have the best quarterback in the country. I think Caleb Williams deserves the Heisman. Yeah, I mean, if they if he puts up numbers these last two games, he's going to get it. Um, Hendon Hooker's out of the conversation after the loss, and he's hurt, which is yeah, that's sad. Added insult to injury, he, he tore his ACL, dropped the ball, and USC just like scooped it up. They didn't get it. Tennessee didn't get a stop the whole the whole time. Um, that's brutal. Poor Tennessee fans. I mean, you have, did you say before the year you go ten and two, they're over the moon, but this ten and two hurts badly because. All you have to do is it was all right in front of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. All right. Dom, so shifting gears, a um, little something different than sports I wanted to ask you. So you're back in Philly right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm back in Connecticut. So um, obviously we used to go home for holidays and stuff in college. How? Uh, what does it look like for you now when you go home? Like – you go out like the night before Thanksgiving, like what, what's like the post-grad going home situation look like for you? Do you work from home and you're in your childhood bedroom? Like, like yeah, give me I'm some updates bedroom right now. And it's like, it's like a Philadelphia sports uh, museum <laughs> pieces accumulated. Like some of the athletes that I can see right now sitting, I, I have eyes on uh, Elton brand, the player, not the GM. Right, I see six. Literally, I'm not kidding. Six different Ryan Howards on my wall. Pat Burrell, some Cole Hamels, Roy Holiday, Raul Banez, um, Michael Carter Williams. I mean, it's oh my god, MCW. It's just a hodgepodge of of Philly sports. Um, I got Kevin Euclid on the wall with next to Hanley Ramirez, Michael Jordan, of course. I mean, it's just. It's just a collectible of everything that I've done in my uh, years of sports fandom. The Eagles helmet, uh, a little some visors, my hat collection. Dominic Brown. I mean, it's just a, it's a, the list goes on and on. But my room has changed a bit. I mean, if we're not we're not on video, we haven't been doing video anymore. But lining the four walls are the pendants of all the major sports teams. So I got all the baseball teams, all the hockey teams, all the. Uh, Football teams along the wall. I think they're pretty old. We got some. I think there's some teams on here that aren't even around anymore. Maybe like some. Who's the most? The Atlanta Thrashers. They're not a team anymore. The Montreal Expos. So it is really just just frozen in time. My room. Oh, I might have lost you for a second. I hope not. But all right, we're back. <laughs> on the phone, closer to the Wi-Fi router. <laughs> Don't know what happened, but it's been recording this whole time. So we'll cut out that um five to ten minute nothingness. Um, but yeah, I explained my my uh my home. I don't know how much you heard. I know you heard Michael Carter Williams and Dominic Brown are on my walls, but that was about all I got into. Yeah, so um I don't my parents don't live where I grew up anymore, so it's like same town, but not same uh house or anything. So my walls are like blank and everything. Um I was wondering, what do you, uh, do you have any like traditions that you like do when you go home? Like when I used to be, when I was in college and I would come home, we'd all go out the night before Thanksgiving, but I don't know if I'll do it this year. Like, um, like we always go to like the local bar that like the the informal high school reunion is certainly exactly for tomorrow night. I cannot wait. Um, I, for one look entirely different than I did six months ago with I've grown out some facial hair. My hair is a lot longer. Um, like 
so like I saw a picture of my senior photo when I walked home the other day and it, it like obviously I look older because it's six years ago at this point graduated high school but I look way different so it's always fun to see other people and for people to see you and it's people that I would never think of reaching out to or would literally never ever reach out to but uh, one night a year is just the perfect amount of time to see um, some people you haven't seen since high school while drinking at one of the three bars in your small town so I cannot yeah, wait. I feel the same way I think it's like one of the funniest nights of the year because it's just like people like you said that you would like never think to to go see like a lot of people aren't around anymore one of my one of my really close friends his family moved to Denver um, I know other kids like they moved to Florida and everything but it, it's funny to see the ragtag group you get together to roll through the the one of like as you said three bars to kind of get everything back together but uh it's also funny because now that we're like actually adults like instead of the like you gotta have like your stock answers ready so like you know two years ago last or yeah two years ago three years ago actually was last time I was home but for Thanksgiving but it's like the oh yeah how's Ohio State oh it's great what are you studying finance like oh blah blah blah. you know now it's like oh where do you live oh what do you work in like oh I'm uh, I'll do you know finance in Chicago or like for you it's like oh I do finance in in Hobo or like in New York City like it's it's just so funny how many like you know five second single serving conversations you have with someone and then like one will just click you just end up talking to like someone you haven't seen in forever that you like genuinely enjoyed for like an hour but the amount you have to like get through to get to that conversation is just hilarious it's speed dating but with people that you literally have known for 15 years exactly like you grew up with these people like you you probably like pissed your pants next to them for like three years of your life and like went to kindergarten with them all the way through high school and like now it's like you act like you not like you act like but like you are genuinely a completely different person since six years ago and you have to fill them in in like five minutes yeah it's awesome i cannot wait um and then i normally we, we do like a little turkey bowl but that is migrated from tackle football to flag football to this year is turned into just around the golf so it'll be cold <laughs> for around the golf but uh we're getting our reps in and i'm not like a big golfer either and it's gonna be cold but I'm going to enjoy a couple adult beverages out on the course. Yeah. So how do you feel about, um, there's always those people like the running joke is like never marry into a family that does the 5k on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like, uh, what are your thoughts on that? If I do, if that is my situation, I will be right there at the finish line, clapping my hands or at the <laughs> house cooking uh, a nice light, but filling a nice light, um, breakfast to get you through to the to the three o'clock dinner but i will not be partaking in any in any running events on thursday morning especially going out wednesday night yeah so one year um with some of my friends we didn't like sign up for the actual 5k but we all like challenged each other like let's see if we can do it like what is, what's a 5k like three and a half miles like not that bad yeah, yeah. And we were all hung over his teeth, like texting each other. I was, I got like a mile in. I remember like around like my, like the residential area my parents live in. And I was like throwing up on a sidewalk. Yeah. Just hung over his teeth. So like definitely a no-go for me. So yeah, that's, those are like some fun traditions that like, it's, it's funny. Cause like going back, like I was working out of my parents' house, like last two days and yeah. you feel like a little kid again. Like, I don't feel like I'm at work. I feel like I'm like doing homework that someone's sending to me and I'm like going back, like I'm, I'm seeing like people I haven't seen in like six years, like especially with like moving far away and like COVID and everything. Like it's such a weird reset. Like I feel like I shouldn't have a job while I'm in my parents' house. But like when I'm in Chicago, like I work from my house there and it's no different. Yeah, it's definitely strange. Especially yeah, definitely. My room that I was in that like hasn't really changed since I was like, seven years old <laughs> that's good stuff all right john was there like anything else you want to hit on like college basketball wise like do you have any big thoughts coming out of these this feast week like arguably, um, in my opinion think, this is the best sports think, we can be wait hearing. wait wait do you think we're not going to talk about zach wilson he's so bad he's so bad 
so I flew home Saturday with like plans of watching the game. So my cousin's like the reason I'm a Jets fan. Like him and his dad, they used to have like, I don't know if it was season tickets, but they'd go to a decent amount of games. They live in Fairfield County. So pretty like a lot closer to New York. Um, they like huge Jets fans. And like my dad being from Europe didn't have like a team. So I, I adopted their team. Where, so wait, I drove up to. Gonna cut, where's your dad from? Because you set up for it and I don't know. Oh, oh, Romania. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if there was anyone in the World Cup, so. No, no. He's he's a huge German fan. His dad's from Germany. So I, he's East he's got to get up for work. What? East or West? Um, I want to say like the bad, like the, I think he was in like the bad part. I think he was East German. East Germany. But yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'll have to ask him that, honestly. Not, but, uh, yeah. Well, denounce, yeah, like he would, denounce the Nazis before you can. Yes, yes, he was not a fan of them. I know that. Like my, my dad was like a refugee too, so like they escaped and everything. So not not they are anti anti communists, <laughs> very anti. But um, so I was I I was a Jets fan because of these guys and like my cousin's like six years older than me. Like he'll be thirty, I'll be twenty four this week. So, um, but we were close growing up, so he was like, oh, like why don't you come down and we'll watch the game together, like in a bar. So we went to the bar and his brother-in-law, who's like his wife's brother, is one of the biggest Jets fans I ever met. The the juice, like you could feel the juice in the air. Like I was so ready for that win. Our defense was like hair on fire. And then slowly it just became so obvious that both teams were so bad on offense, particularly the Jets, that our only shot of winning was Mac Jones throwing a pick six. And I, I want to call it the worst loss of my life. It definitely is. Just the, the mix of like knowing we're better than the Patriots. A win would have put us in first place in the AFC East. Like we dominated the game on defense. Like they missed two field goals. Like it was right there for the taking. But when he was running it back, it almost felt perfect because they, there was no way in hell we were ever going to win that game because we have the worst quarterback in the league. And then him to not take any ownership for it after the game was even worse. He lost the locker room. I don't. I don't think you could. I think you have to start him against the Bears because that might be his shot to get right. But if he doesn't throw for at least two hundred fifty yards and two touchdowns next week, I think you have to go to Mike White, and I think Mike White is terrible. That's how little I think. Yeah, Zach not Flacco. Right oh, supposedly Flacco's the third string now. I don't know what the hell they're doing there, but yeah, I don't know. Sucks to be sucks to be a Jets fan. It's uh, so bad. Like. Like, my argument's always, like, and you've heard this, like, I believe that, like, you need a certain type of quarterback to win a Super Bowl, right? Like, you don't need a game. Like, you can't have a game manager. I would kill. Literally, I would do anything right now to have Jimmy Garoppolo or even, like, I would love Derek Carr, but even I would take anyone worse. I would take I would take Gardner Minshew right now. Yeah. I really would. Yeah. That really sucks. Because if I would have said that the Jets would be six and four, I think you'd be. It's crazy how expectations change. You'd almost rather, I don't know if you'd rather be in the situation you're in now, or let's say the Jets are three and seven, but Zach Wilson's like lighting the world on fire. Then at least you have, all right, we're a couple pieces away. Now it's like, what do you do? Do you draft you with the draft capital that you spent on them? Can you pick a quarterback in the draft? But you're not going to be so, in any position to do so. So I was talking to my cousin about this because I think I definitely look at things like way more like team building wise. Like we need a young quarterback that we can go. And my cousin said, he was like, dude, like our defense is so good right now. Like we have great receivers that are young. Like we need to get a guy in here before this team gets too expensive to hold on to. Like we're pissing away with Zach. Like, I don't know. Like if you told me we're six and four at the beginning of the year, I would have told you like Zach must be playing really well. Because I didn't think our defense was going to be this good, but I think I would rather be four. Zach Wilson than six and four without the answer. I mean, the, the nice thing is it's it's obvious the only we're our offensive line being healthy, which like we have the pieces, they're just hurt right now, and a quarterback away from Super Bowl contention. The issue is like, what are we going to do at quarterback? Are we going to get one of these retreads like Derek Carr, or, you know, these thirty-one-year-old guys who might have two years left in them, or are we going to go try and, you know? Are we going to try and draft Will Richardson at 20 overall? Or, sorry, Anthony Richardson. 
you know, some, some, another project because none of the projects have worked before. Like it's, it's like, it's a feeling of hopelessness. I was muted there, but you can't, yeah, you can't draft somebody at 20 and expect that they're going to be better than Zach Wilson. Either got to go out and like go out and try to get somebody or just like ride it out with him next year and hope that he figures it out. Yeah, I mean, the ideal scenario is this is like the coming to, you know, everything comes around moment. He comes out against the Bears, throws for 300 yards because that's a horrible defense. Like they're, they're like one of the worst defenses in the league. And that includes the games when they had Roquan. It's like they've traded away Roquan. Like that's the heart and soul of their defense. Like, you know, it'd be awesome. Like, let's say he goes throws for 300 yards this weekend and three touchdowns is the best game of his career and like takes off. That'd be unbelievable, but it's the Jets, so he'll probably throw for two picks, get benched at halftime for Mike White, and it will do, we're doing this all over again. We did it with Sanchez. We did it with Darnold. We did it with Geno. I mean, same old Jets. No matter what we do, it's the same old Jets. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts is leading game-winning drives and double-digit comebacks in the fourth quarter on the road. Yeah, against the Colts, who have a TV analyst as their coach. Who was I would love who had never lost a game as an NFL coach before. <laughs> I would I would die to have Jalen Hurts right now. I would literally I would do anything for Jalen Hurts. I, I mean they struggled early. The run defense has been bad, putting it lightly, without Jordan Davis. Um, but he'll be due back in two weeks against the Titans, which will be good because they'll be playing against Derrick Henry. But Eight and one. There are two games clear essentially on, uh, or a game and a half up on the Vikings because they have the tiebreaker. Two and a half up on the Cowboys because they have that tiebreaker right now, but they'll play them again. Um, in a really, really, really good spot to kind of solidify this one seed. They get the Packers who've been struggling at home on Sunday night, Titans at home, who the Titans have like under the radar are seven and three. Um, but a couple of games here where like they're in a great spot to get the one seed. I was a little nervous because after that commanders game, um, of the wheels falling off and then down double digits in the fourth quarter, but coming all the way back, um, I'm confident now. Like I, I think they kind of got a little rattled after the loss, but coming back nine and one or eight and one big game against the Packers. If they win that one, I'll be feeling really good about securing that one seed in the NFC. Are you worried about the Cowboys at all after what happened in Minnesota? No, I'm more worried about the 49ers than the Cowboys. Yeah, 49ers look good. Especially because the only way my thinking is like the Cowboys would have to win multiple road playoff games if we win the division, which we should. Um. The 49ers are, are already at four losses. What, what I don't like is watching ESPN today, doing a segment, who they're picking out of the NFC. Like You don't have to pick the Eagles, but at least like the reasoning to me, they struggled. They lost to the Commanders. They struggled against the Colts. It's like, I don't know. People forget, like, sure, the 49ers added some pieces of the deadline, like mainly just McCaffrey. This team lost to the Bears. This team, that game was kind of a monsoon. Call it a yeah. Long. They lost to the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Like, if the Eagles lost to the, either of those teams, it'd be they already get crucified for their schedule because they lost to the Commanders, which is like a tough divisional game. Like, I, I, it's just like, oh, well, the Eagles have had some shaky losses. So I'm taking the six and four 49ers who have been far from world beaters. They beat the hell, they beat the hell out of Colt McCoy in Mexico City. And Trace McSorley, Trace McSorley had to come in. So, like, I don't want to hear – I'm, I think they're the second-best team in the NFC, but I don't want to hear, like, the Eagles haven't played anyone when your NFC champ is losing to the Broncos 11-10. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think there's definitely a clear top three right now in the NFC with the Cowboys. I don't think the Vikings are in there. I think it's the Cowboys, Eagles, and 49ers. I think it's going to be one of those three teams and similar to – the AFC where it's the Bills or the the Chiefs are far and away the best teams. The Chiefs, 
and the Bills in the AFC, and then you got three teams in the NFC. I think that's kind of where we're landing right now for the NFL. And I think that we're just going to get more data points in these coming weeks. Like, you know, the Eagles play Green Bay, who's like not a great team, but it's still, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers. And on a Sunday night, like, you never know. He just went and beat Dallas, which isn't the easy, like pretty good team. We're going to see the 49ers. They're going to be playing teams like, I mean, the Rams are dog shit, but like they're going to be playing the Seahawks who have looked pretty good, you know? Yeah, we get, these, be playing. we get these modes in the NFL where we think the better team is always going to win. Teams never go one loss, rarely yeah. two losses. Like three losses, maybe there's two teams a year. So the Eagles are still, with the 17-game season, they're due to lose probably at least two more games and still be in a exactly. position one seed. People are like, oh, the Vikings are, are eight and two, so they'll, they have to finish at least 14. Like they're going to win 13, 14 games. Like not necessarily. So yeah, I think the Vikings proved themselves to be dog shit on Sunday. Like they're not a real contender. Like the Eagles, if I was an NFC fan, the Eagles would scare me a hundred times more than the Vikings. Like the like like Jalen Hurts is better than Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, if you talk about quarterback in the NFC right now, it's the Eagles are the one seed. Vikings are the two. I trust Jalen Hurts more than Kirk Cousins to be honest in the playoffs. Then it's Jimmy Garoppolo, who I know has been there before, but it's more of a matter of of just not making the big mistake, but he's probably not going to lose you the game, but he's almost certainly not going to win you the game either. Um, and I, I would have more confidence in, in Jalen Hurts making a big play in the playoffs than Jimmy Garoppolo, more confident Hurts than Kirk Cousins, um, maybe even more than like Dak. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to, I've always been kind of hot and cold on Dak. Last time they were in the playoffs, right? They, come down at the end of the game management, you run, you run up the middle and you slide and you don't get a playoff. So it's like maybe he's learned from that, but he hasn't showed me anything to be like Dak is a clutch big-time player. Not that Hurts has either, but it's like he's not going against the Rod – he's not going against MVP Aaron Rodgers or or prime Tom Brady or in the AFC Josh Allen, Mahomes, like Lamar Jackson. He's not going against like these giant playmakers. So – they might have at least be even or have the quarterback advantage and be home in any playoff game. So that gives me a lot of confidence. Yeah. I mean, you can't blame me. I think that, I think we're really starting to see finally some teams separate themselves and there's, there's, we're down the stretch here. We're going to get a couple of big wins. Like I think the Bengals might be the third team in the AFC or the, the Ravens probably the third team. And then the Bengals. I would, I would, well, I would say not surprised for Chiefs and Bills to make the Super Bowl. Um, or they're expected, I'd say, not surprised if it's the Bengals or the Ravens. I would be, like, relatively surprised if it was, like, the Dolphins or, like, in that middle tier and anyone else, I would be shocked. And then in the in the NFC, I'd say, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the Eagles or the 49ers. I'd be, like, relatively surprised if it was the Vikings or the Cowboys, just because the Cowboys are probably going to have to win three road games. Um, mm-hmm. And then anyone else I would be – I'd throw the Bucks in there too just because Tom Brady, but all the other teams yeah. would be shocked if, if – uh, like if the Giants made a run or if Seattle made a run, despite how well they've done this year, I would be pretty shocked if they made the Super Bowl. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, all right, do you want to hit on a little college basketball before we before we log Yeah, I'm actually, I'm split-screening with the Maui, Jim Maui Invitational. Right yeah, now. What, what do we got to score on there? What do we got? San Diego State has roared back in the second half. They were down um, seven at halftime. They came back. They're up 41-40 now with us, just over 17 minutes to play against Arizona. Um, earlier today, we started recording after the Creighton and um, – Yeah, that was an unbelievable game. Arkansas game, great game. Um, Arkansas is without Nick Smith, who John, as John Rothstein tweeted earlier today, might be the first NBA player drafted this year. Uh, they're a great team. They're a young team. They're a new team. If you thought you knew Arkansas last year, all their starters might be new either via freshman or via transfer, transfer portal. portal. What I, I've watched in the past two days, Anthony Brown is a mm, stud. Uh, stud. He's a baller. Arkansas. They they just have they want to get a track meet. They're gonna run. They're athletes. Um, so I haven't watched like a, a ton, a ton, and like I don't know a lot. But the teams that I've seen that have been really been impressive, 
Creighton obviously is like very tough defensively. Um, Nemhart's awesome. Uh, what's his name? Sheer Myers. Yeah. Like he's pads the stat sheet. Colk Brenner can defend the rim. Uh, Houston is just beating the shit out of everybody. Yeah. Houston's unbelievable. Um, I have a future on them. But relatively I good. Like obviously Kansas, Houston, both in the final four last year. UNC's looked good. I haven't really seen too much of them, but they're number one in the country. They were in the final four last year. Uh, but I think the team that people don't know, the casual person might not know too much about, uh, that we just kind of touched on, like Creighton is going to be really, really good. Yeah. This year. Creighton's got an awesome point guard in Empire, 100%. And this, yeah. they could get the Maui bump. They could get the Maui bump if they end up beating Arizona tomorrow. I think Arizona's going to We're saying, I mean, San Diego State leads right now. Like both San Diego State might, if they win this game, they're going to be, I mean, they're ranked, but they weren't ranked preseason. Um, I'm dying for my Nittany Lions to get to get in the playoffs. They received dude, the, the Lions, the Knicks look good. Did you watch them at all in that, in that beginning of last they lost, a tough, they lost a really tough one to Virginia Tech. But, I mean, they got grad grad uh, transfer, Andrew Funk, who can shoot. They are mm-hmm. – Penn State is physical. I watch them play. And they they're play fun. They, they throw their ass in you down low. They don't take shit. Um, old Penn State shoot. center who's, who's graduated now. John Hare is gone. Um, so it's like a tough defensively, but he was like more of a traditional center. So now the floor, the spacing is the one thing that I've realized has been really different this year for, for the Nittany Lions. A lot more uh, be able to stretch the floor with centers and guys who can defend the five and also shoot shoot the three. So it's exciting. I mean, they're ranked as like the 11th best team in the Big Ten, but it, they have a chance to make the tournament if they take care of their non-conference and go about 500 and maybe win a Big Ten tournament game with Jeff. Yeah, I really like their team. I watched them quite a bit last week. I watched them play Furman. I watched them play Virginia Tech. I think I saw them one other game too, like randomly. But yeah, I really like number one. They shoot a ton of threes. Like they got up about yeah. 15, 20 on Furman. Then all of a sudden that got all the way down to two. So uh, they're very hot and cold. Yeah, they remind me the Ohio State team's a little similar. Completely new team, a lot of young guys. Take a lot of threes. Bryce Sensabaugh could be a one done, but I think we can both say, well, our freshman year, you guys had an awesome team at Penn State, but I think this is arguably the most fun team for both both squads since then. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, yeah. Penn State, the best year Penn State's had was that COVID year where they they were ranked majority of the year and would have certainly made the tournament. Um, fortunately, canceled that season, canceled there, but. Um, yeah, I'd say – I mean, Arizona, just watching them a little bit there, they play a million miles an hour, um, mm-hmm. which is starting to be like the new theme in college basketball. Not many teams that slow it down anymore. Arkansas, uh, like Creighton that game, Arizona State, San Diego State, like these teams want to get in the track meet, just run up and down and, and turn it over and like turn quick possessions, get threes up, get layups, move in transition. So I'm excited. Feast week, college basketball is back. Um, once – once conference play amps up, it's going to be going to be really exciting. Yeah, we'll definitely be getting into it more. We had the Champions Classic, as you mentioned, Feast Week. Uh, now that college football is pretty much in its, you know, sunsetting on that season, we'll we'll definitely be talking a lot of playoff, but we're going to have more room for for a lot of co- conference plays. So, got a couple teams in there we keep your eye on. Um, Gonzaga's still good. I love that Texas team. If you caught any of that Texas yeah, Gonzaga game, yeah, it's, in the wrong it's an awesome team. Good. Yeah, so we'll definitely be talking about that more. Um, anything else you want to hit on before we uh, before we head out? We're going to get those cooler cards out to you probably Wednesday, so we get those Thursday Thanksgiving games in there as well as the Friday college football, Saturday, Sunday NFL. So those will be out on the Instagram. We'll make sure to tweet them out as well, but it only being Tuesday, we want to give – at least another day to let those develop. But besides that, anything else, Tom? I think think that about covers it. All right. So uh, we will catch you at the next water break. Enjoy Feast Week and uh, Rivalry. Best sports week of the year, in my opinion. Everyone have a happy Blackout Wednesday and happy Thanksgiving. So until next time, enjoy, guys.